Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Now, how many of you have heard that saying before? But really, my question to you this morning is, how many of you actually know or actually have thought about what that expression means? Most people often right? They intend to do good things, but in fact, they end up not doing them. Mostly because they're either lazy or they get weak, right? When people get weak or when people get weary or just figure, why should I bother? And especially if it's more work than just doing the norm. Right? Then you also have to think about the expression, everyone thinks they're going to heaven, right? Oh, I know I'm going to heaven because God knows my heart. Can I tell you something? That if it were that simple, if it were just that simple, we would all be in heaven already, right? Meaning that there would be no need for any of us to go around and spread the gospel because everyone would have gotten it already. Everyone would already know. Today, I want to talk about when you're in the kingdom, what it, you have to do while you're in the kingdom. Now, I know a lot of you are saying, what do you mean? What do you have to do? The only thing I had to do, the only prerequisite for the kingdom or going to heaven was accepting Jesus Christ as his son, and we would be saved. True. That's very true on all accounts. The only thing that you really have to have to do that God asks of you is that you accept his son, Jesus Christ, that you repent for your sins, 
to say that you know that Jesus died on the cross for you, for your sins, because you could have never died on the cross for your own sins. And you would be saved. And being saved, salvation, connects you back to the Father and brings you into having a place in heaven. Because he said, in my Father's house, there are many rooms, right? Many mansions, many rooms. And one of them was there for you. He was going to prepare a place for you. So now, a few weeks back, we spoke about recognizing the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? And that was the op- that was the key to opening every door that you ever wanted to open in your life. When you recognize the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and this is what Jesus himself said. Now, we have to understand that when you made that commitment with Jesus being your Lord and Savior, confessing that you will follow wherever he leads you, You were in fact signing up to be in an army. Yeah, you didn't know. Like back in the day when they used to have the recruits come to the high schools and talk to the students and they would paint this glamorous picture of, oh yeah, if you join the army, the Navy or the Marines, oh, you're gonna be able to go to school. You get all the education that you want, you know. And you can study whatever field you want to study. And we pay for everything for you. You don't have to put out any money to go to any of these schools, Naval Academy, to go to school in the Army, whatever. They pay everything for you. Little did you know that in the event that there were a war, you also had to serve in that capacity, whatever capacity of the military that you signed up in, you had to then serve if there was a war. So now here it is, you signed up to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And in fact, you signed up to be in a war, not a war that you have to fight because you could never, ever, 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 ever in a million years, fight this war and win. You can never fight this war and win, but you are on a battlefield and you are a participant in this war daily, but you didn't know, right? I'm going to tell you what war you're in. When you said that you were going to sign up confessing Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior, You were telling God that you were ready for the battlefield. And how many of you are aware that that battlefield was a spiritual battle, one that we fight daily? It could be a small battle or a large battle, but a battle nonetheless. So since the majority of the battles that take place are in our mind, because that's where the battles happen. It's not that we're going out there and, We're saying, all right, I'm ready to fight. When you get up in the morning, you have to mentally prepare yourself to fight because most of the battles are taking place before you put your feet on the floor and start your day. So when the battles begin in our minds, we have to take control of how we think daily. 
daily we have to take control of how we think that should be the first thing we're thinking about when we get up okay i have to control my thoughts control my thoughts meaning that i have to do everything that's going to be positive and pleasing to make my life and someone else's life and the people around me a better place for everyone when you dedicate your life to christ as a babe in Christ, that's what people used to call you in the beginning. As a babe in Christ, you get to learn the little nuances of what's going on. You know, oh, I'm new, so I'm learning the Bible. I'm learning verses. But how many of you know you got to grow up quickly these days? Babies are growing up very quickly these days. So just as a newborn matures very quickly, they know the ways of the world. They come into the world knowing what was going on their senses are so keen and they pick up on everything most things you don't even have to teach them because there are some traits that they just come in knowing we have no time to play around when it comes to the kingdom of god because the enemy is not playing around he is exploiting all aspects of human life to his advantage and from some angles, when you look at it, you would almost think that he was winning. If you really didn't know the story, if you didn't know how the story ended overall, you would almost think that he was winning. So how many of you are aware that he looks for our weaknesses and uses them against us, right? This past year, he was able to use the pandemic to control how we moved. Yes, we all know we were on lockdown and we had to be locked down because, you know, of everyone's safety and health and all those things. But we could have done that without having fear rise up in us that we were thinking, oh, we can't go out at all. And, you know... We don't want to go here. We don't want to be around this many people or we don't want to touch anything or everything that comes into our home. You know, everything that came into our home, we were washing and sanitizing and spraying and it just was so tedious living last year. And he used that to exploit our interferes of the unknown not knowing what was going to come next then the next thing he used against us once he had us in that frame of mind he pitted us against one another because we were actually beginning to see that we needed each other in order to survive we were actually starting to think, you know what? We can work together in order to accomplish more. It's not that bad talking to that neighbor that looks differently from me. You know, she's going through the same thing that I'm going through. Or he's experiencing the th same things I'm experiencing. They're not that bad. And then boom, he took that away. He stole the opportunities for us to become a nation of people that trusted and depended on one another and caused division and started exploiting our 
differences using race and economic status as the forefront, as the the banner of why, no, you guys can't get together and you were right for not wanting to get together. Because when you really think about it, how many of you realize that we needed to rely upon one another in order to really be able to get through everything that we went through last year? The pandemic showed everyone just how vulnerable we are as a people and that our best means of survival was to work together. But unfortunately, we quickly forgot about that and we played into all the different narratives that he set forth for us and we went with it. So today, we're gonna talk about the battle that we are facing now, which is not with flesh and blood. Today, we're going to discuss how to, how to fight in the midst of spiritual warfare. Now, I know I had mentioned spiritual warfare in passing last year in one of my other shows, and I know that I probably had said that I was going to come back and visit it at one point or another. Well, today is that day we're going to come back and visit it. Because, you know, there's a time and season for everything, right? And with everything happening in our society today, we need to understand what the scriptures tell us about spiritual warfare and what we need to do when we're in battle. So let's begin with the most important thing about when you go into warfare, being prepared, right? And when anyone goes into war, as when they go into boot camp, we have to go in through boot camp as well. So today is going to be our little bit of boot camp so that you can be ready to go into this battle. And it begins with taking up the armor of God. So we're going to look at, again, the scriptures that describe exactly what we should do and why. Our topic is going to be taken from the scriptures of Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. And the scripture reading today is going to be coming from the New King James Version. But let us begin with verses 10 through 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. The scriptures express why we must be ready to do battle. Because we are wrestling not with flesh and blood. And that means our enemy is not physical. So in a normal fight, you would use anything that you know, right? Anything that you know you would bring that would bring your enemies to his knees in order for you to defeat him. So when we go to war in the normal sense... We use guns, we use tanks, we use dynamite, anything that we know is going to hurt or destroy our opponents. 
But this war is not like those wars. This war has to be fought on a spiritual battle because we are fighting a spiritual enemy. Think about it. Unless you know and unless you are aware of who you're fighting, how do you know how to fight them? Right? And we all know that when in battle, there are certain articles of clothing that are needed in order to protect oneself when fighting. So here is what the Bible says about how we should prepare what we should wear when we're ready to fight. A woman by the name of Natalie Rigoli wrote an article titled, seven pieces of armor and how to use them. So I'm going to use that as a basis of breaking down Ephesians 6, 14 to 20, where we're going to explore what we need to do to be ready to fight this battle. All of the armor that was described in the scriptures were likened to the armor that the Roman soldiers wore when they went into battle. And we're going to take a look at each piece and break it down It's in its importance. Starting with verse 14. Now remember, we're doing Ephesians. Our, our topic is coming from Ephesians 10 to 20. And now we're going into the scriptures 14 to 20. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, when we think about it, when the Roman soldiers went to battle, they always wore a belt and the belt was made of a heavy leather to hold their sword. And the, and then they had a metal protective plate that hung down in front of them. Now this belt was always put around the waist so that it would hold up the rest of the pieces of armor that he had on his body to protect himself while in this battle. So when a soldier put on his belt, it was a signal that he was ready to fight. So we as Christians must put on our belts, the belt of truth. Now truth is the belt that holds the believer's armor together, just like the Roman soldier's leather belt holds his armor together. And the ultimate truth can be found in the word of God and in Jesus Christ. John 14, 6 reminds us that Jesus said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through him. Now, this is an, this is an important scripture for us to remember when it comes to truth, right? Because in order for us to protect ourselves against our flesh, because remember, we're having a battle in our mind. So this battle that we're fighting, the spiritual one, we're fighting with ourselves and we're fighting with others. So when we have to remind ourselves of truth to fight this flesh of ours, to fight the world and to fight the father of lies, acknowledging this truth that Jesus said he is the way the truth, and the life, it keeps us focused on who we belong to because we're reminded 
that we are in Christ. And by doing this, we begin every day and we end every day thinking about the word of God, memorizing scriptures that remind us of the promises that were made to us and how much he cares about us. Now, this is how we can keep that truth, that truth girded around our waist, our belt, which holds all out of the armor. Because think about it. If that belt is holding all your other armor, then that belt needs to be there to, in order to sustain you in, in this war. So the truth is what's going to hold up every other piece that we're going to be carrying with us in order to fight this battle. And by holding on to this truth, we begin it every day, knowing and remembering and ending and memorizing the word of God. Now, the second part of that scripture talks about the breastplate of righteousness. Now, Roman soldiers wore a breastplate, which was a piece of armor that protected his vital organs while he was in the heat of battle. And if he couldn't, you know, bring up his shield quick enough to guard against any sword or any arrows that might have been coming towards him. Now, the breastplate, you know, covers the chest, which that's where the heart is. Right. So as believers, as believers, our breastplate of righteousness comes through the righteousness that was granted to us through Jesus Christ. Our breastplate is his righteousness. It provides us power and the ability to do the right thing, living a life rooted in God's word, helping to protect our heart from the enemy. We do this by volunteering to help in shelters and food pantries, by guarding what we allow to get into our spirits, by watching TV and listening to certain forms of music. So now I say that to say, when we're guarding our self, our heart with Jesus Christ and his righteousness, we do that when we're volunteering in shelters and food pantries. Our actions show how we're guarding our breastplate, our heart, because we're still reaching out to the need of what people, you know, reaching out to help the need of others while helping ourselves. We allow our spirits to only take in things that are positive because you know whatever you take into your mind and you manifest, that's what you will start to become. So we allow our spirits to only watch and listen to certain forms of music that promote positivity and helps us to continue to live the righteousness, the, the righteousness that Christ has given to us. I don't know what's going on with my voice and my mouth today. It seems like everything just keeps getting tongue tied. I'm trying to fight through this and it's probably because the devil doesn't want me to give you this information so you can be prepared in battle, but I'm going to get through this this morning. So help me God. Now, verse 15, having shod your feet with the preparedness of the gospel of peace. Now, how many of you know that Roman soldiers wore sandals, right? And they were called Caligae. These sandals helped protect the soldiers' feet while they were marching in battle. Now, the 
makeup of, of these sandals were the soles were very thick and they wrapped perfectly around the ankles to help prevent blistering. And on the bottom of the soles, it had spikes in order to help them stand firm as they traveled. Now, I know some of you ladies remember those Roman type sandals that we used to wear. And, you know, they, they came and they covered our feet, but you just had little slits in them. And then they did wrap up around our ankles and went all the way up to our calves in some instances. They were really cute sandals. So now the Romans, the, the Roman soldiers used to wear these sandals to help them have a firm foundation as they were marching into battle. Now, as believers, we have a strong foundation and our foundation is in the gospel. So we have to wrap around our feet and prepare it with the gospel of peace. We have peace knowing that we are secure in what Christ has done for us. And as a daily reminder, we use the fact that hope, the hope that we have in Jesus and what he did dying in our place to save us from eternal death, right? This reminds us every day of the great things that he has done when situations become overwhelming and it makes it a little easy it, it makes it a little easier for us to understand and to go on we can share our testimonies with others the more we share of his goodness in our lives the more he becomes real to us and real to those who are listening to our stories and of course live our life as an example. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, the shield of the Roman soldier was primarily a defensive weapon, right? It would hold, whatever he saw something coming at him to attack him, he would put his shield up in order to protect himself. It was made of of materials that were impermeable and it could withstand all of the arrows that were shot at them through by their enemies. Our shield, just as the Roman shield is our shield of faith, that shield of faith, trusting in the power of God and his protection helps us to remain steadfast, believing in God and everything that he does for us is good. So when we remain steadfast, when we remember the promises of God joining with other believers, it grows our faith and it helps us to quench those fiery darts that are sent at us every day, which may be the, the arrows of doubt, the arrows of insecurity, the arrows of inadequacy, all those arrows that are thrown at us every day through the enemy, when we remember the promises of God, that's what shields us in keeping us and protects us from all those arrows that come at us. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now the helmet was the most important piece of the armor for a Roman soldier. Now you would think all the other pieces that I named would be just as important, but when you think about it, if you were to take one blow to your head, I don't care how many breastplates you have on, I don't care how many shields you have on, 
I don't care how many swords you have in your belt, one blow to your head can be fatal if you don't have on a helmet. So just as the Roman soldier, they have on their helmet for protection, our helmet of protection is the helmet of salvation. And that is our most important piece is being a Christian. Because when we become a Christian and we accept Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and lives with us in every believer from the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. So it empowers us as a believer to fight. It protects us from all the deadly weapons, right? When you have salvation, you have victory. The sword of the gladiator was the deadly weapon. And in his hand, as a skilled warrior, he was able to pierce through anyone's strongest armor, right? Our sword, as Hebrew 14, 12 says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So, when we think about our salvation, which is our helmet, because that's the number one thing that's, that's keeping us in this battle. The fact that we have the Holy Spirit within us and that we are able to fight this battle because we're saved now. We're in the, the, the kingdom of God, right? We must remind ourselves of the word of God and how salvation brings us closer to our creator. We do this by reading to renew our minds and meditating on God's spoken word daily. We use his words to defend ourselves when we need to block the darts of the enemy. So like we had said before, like with the shield of faith, you know you have faith, which also blocks against all those darts that come at you. Your helmet of salvation and knowing the word of God, the sword, which is the word of God, and Jesus used it when he was in the wilderness, after he got baptized by John the Baptist, when the devil visited Jesus in his days in the wilderness, when he was fasting and praying and the devil came to him, tempting him with all matters of, well, if you're supposed to be the son of God, throw yourself off this mountain. Every time Jesus was confronted, he combated the enemy with the word of God. That was his sword to fight. And that's the same way we have to think when something comes against us. Like, like when I mentioned insecurity, we have to know, no, we are fearfully and wonderly, wonderfully made. We are the apple of God's eye. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. All those things. When you remember, when you read the word, it gives you that it gives you that protection. It gives you that strength to keep going on and fighting this battle. And now last but not least of all the pieces of armor that we put on to fight this battle, verse 18 states to us, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Prayer is our defense weapon. 
that we can use when we need to feel and be closer to God. When we pray, God hears us and he answers. The word of the Lord is our strong tower that we run into and we are saved. We're protected. The word of God in prayer protects us from all the tricks of the enemy. So that is why prayer is the most important because that is our communication. That is our lifeline. That is like where we get the signals of how to fight this battle. Like when you're in the army, when you're in the Navy, they're constantly in in contact with whomever is watching the radars or telling them where they see the enemy. They're in constant communication with one another. That's how we should be with God in constant communication with him. So he gives us the direction of no, don't go there. No, don't go here. Yes. Say this. Yes. Do that. So that we always know how to protect ourselves and to be safe at all times in this battle. And now ending 19 and 20, and this is just to, to put a, a icing on all of everything that we just talked about. And for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. That right there is the ultimate. Once you are ready to do battle, once you have on all your pieces of armor, once your body is covered and protected and you know you have your shield of faith, you have your helmet of salvation, you have your sword of the word of God, your feet is wrapped in the gospel, you have your breastplate of righteousness, you're ready. Then are you ready? So let's all get ready. Let's all be prepared. And I know it starts, you have to take each piece at a time. It takes, when you put on, when a Roman soldier puts on his, on his armor to fight, he does it a piece at a time. He doesn't just throw on the whole thing, just want it all haphazardly. He makes sure that every piece that he puts on is secure and that it's fitting him properly so that he's protected. And that's what we have to do. Every morning when we get up, put on each piece to make sure we understand how it fits on our body to make it fit properly so that we can properly be protected. So with that, we're ready for battle, people. Let's go out there and win this war. I think we it's time for us to take a music break because I don't know why my mouth is so tongue-tied today, but like I said, we got through this in Jesus' name. And we're going to take a music break right now. You have been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, What Brooklyn Sounds Like. This is the groaning as you count every tear we have sown. And we trust what those tears will become.
Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say? And I am your host, Kay Edwards. I want to say it's time for the part of the show that we usually call op-ed. And I know for the past couple of weeks, I've had op-ed, but I really haven't had op-ed. Because to be honest with you, well, last week I played a repeat show. And while I was listening to the repeat show, it could have just as been a brand new show had it not have been for the certain references that I made in the show when I was doing it. Because, you know, whenever I do a show every week, I always make reference to whatever is going on for that day in that period of time. So you can always kind of tell, even if you listen to my archived shows, which by the way, you can find them on Radio Free Brooklyn on my show page. You can find them on Spotify and you can also find them on iTunes. So now when you listen to my older shows, you can always tell when I did that show. Even if I didn't have a date attached to it, you can tell when you listen to it, oh, she did this around Christmas time or, oh, she did this around Easter time or, oh, she did this during whatever day or whatever was happening. Because I usually make reference in the body while I'm talking because I'm keeping it relevant. I'm talking about what's happening today. When I listened to last week's show that I played which was a rebroadcast, it felt like as if nothing much had really changed. The only thing that has changed is maybe in the op-ed portion when I was referencing people that were no longer in office. That's how you would know that, oh, wow, wait a minute. That, that person's no longer in that position. So what is she talking about? But if you take all those, if you remove the names and I just speak about just what their actions, just remove all the names and just listen to the actions that were taking place at the time. You would think that it was just a normal show given on any normal Sunday. And that's the scary part. And I think that's why lately in op-ed, I haven't really had much to say because it seems like I'm being a broken record because I just keep playing the same thing over and over and over but you know what 
I keep doing that because the same things keep happening over and over and over. And to be honest with you, and I know I told you I hated that phrase when people say, can I be honest with you? Because that means what? They were lying the whole time. But, you know, I don't lie. I'm not going to lie. If anything, I'm going to tell you too much truth, but I'm never going to lie. I, I have had the tendency to tell you too much truth at a given moment where you probably weren't ready for it. But sometimes that that's just what I do. I just give too much truth. But I digress. When I say that I, I sound like a broken record, it's it's because nothing is really changing. It's changing, but it's not changing. It's changing and it, it seems like it's what it is, is it seems as though it's changing for those who aren't aware. When you're not aware of something and then you encounter a new revelation of information, to you it seems brand new, like, oh my gosh, what a discovery. Whereas to everyone else that's already known that discovery existed and now it's just becoming to the forefront in your life, everybody else is standing around saying like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? It's always been whatever, 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 blah, blah, blah. So I say that to say op-ed has become that broken record for me. And I kind of want the narrative to change. Although I will say one thing, and I'll say this in, um, in light of everything that has happened this week with the the trial ending and him being found guilty on all three counts. When you think about it, when you think about that in and of itself, just in and of itself, someone was on, like I said, I'm removing the name. So you can put this narrative anywhere in any space in time. Someone committed a heinous act of murder. Someone was put on trial Someone was found guilty from the evidence presented in the courtroom. That's what justice is, right? But why is it that when we see justice in a situation that we usually never see justice in, we are so elated, like, oh my gosh, finally. See, that shouldn't be the reaction if justice worked the way justice should work. And that's why I say it's like a broken record because when everyone this week was talking about, oh, if they don't come back with a guilty verdict, what's going to happen? Like what's going to take place? And me, myself, me, myself, I always start with me first before I go on anybody else. Yeah, in my mind, I was like, if they don't go, if they don't come back with a guilty verdict, knowing the climate and atmosphere in this country, America's going to burn to the ground. And I know that's extreme. And I know when I say that, some people are like, oh, why is she being so extreme? No, I wasn't being extreme. I was being real. I was being real. And I was saying the truth, stating the truth. And it wasn't just me. You felt it in the atmosphere because if it wasn't in the atmosphere, you wouldn't have had businesses boarding up their stores, up their windows, trying to protect their property. If they didn't realize, you know what, if this goes, 
if this goes the way that it always usually goes, this place is no more. Now, why would people think that? If people really believe that justice is usually served, why would people automatically jump to the conclusion of, you know what, if it doesn't turn out this way, people are going to act this way. Why would you think that? Could it be that because you haven't been serving justice the way it should have been served for so many years against a particular group of persons, yeah, about time now, you've got that dynamite stacked up that all it takes is a match. It doesn't even take gasoline and a blowtorch with just one little match. Not even a, a match that's lit with a flame. All it takes is just a little bit of embers that might still be smoldering after you blow the match out to ignite that, that whole pile of dynamite that you've set up because you've been building it for years. And it's sad to say that that's where we are now. But I will say that I'm happy that justice was served and that everything and everyone came together and told the truth. Cause you could have had police officers up there and EMT officers up there that got up there and said whatever they wanted to say. When you're put on the stand, even though you put your hand on that Bible and you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth. So help you God. How many people know that people still sit there and lie? Even after saying, I, I, solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help you God. They say you may be seated. And as soon as they sit down, they're spewing a mouthful of lies. It has happened. I could withhold a real story. I could withhold a story. Like, here we go. The road, right? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Like I started out the show. I had good intentions to get up there and tell the story that I needed to tell, but I can't. So now I'm just going to tell the story that I think I should tell. Not the story that should be told. I'm going to tell the one I think should be told. So when they ask me, do you think that it was excessive force that that officer used when um, subduing that, that individual? Well, not exactly because according to our manual, this is what we are trained to do when we're in, you know, when we're in and putting in a certain situation, this is what we're trained to do. We didn't ask you what we were trained to do. We asked you, do you think it was excessive force? So there's a certain way that you can learn to do something. And then there's a certain way of what you understand if this is too much or not. Every, every cake has a recipe. I could put in the cake requires in the recipe, three teaspoons of vanilla extract, three teaspoons of vanilla flavoring. But I could say, oh, I want it. I want extra. I want five teaspoons of vanilla extract. Not that the extra two teaspoons is going to really change the recipe all that much, because when you eat the recipe in its entirety, it's a good cake. But when you really look at it, did you follow the recipe the way the recipe was supposed to be followed? No. So that's what I mean when I say people got up there and they told what they were supposed to tell rather than what they try to say they should tell if that makes any sense to you oh it looks like my time is growing short but we're gonna pick this up again next week because I'm sure like I said this is an ongoing discussion because it's a broken record 
because there's so many pieces and layers to this whole whatever is happening right now that we will have to dissect it and break it down. But before my time runs out, I do want to go over what our word of the month is. Our word of the month being justification, which once again is the action of showing something to be right and reasonable, right? Our promise for this week is going to come from 1 Peter 1, 18 to 19. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And that is our reading of the word, which is blessed. All the scriptures that we read today. Thank you, Lord. And I want to just say and end off with, let's be good this week. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy the weather. It's supposed to really feel spring-like. And of course, we're going to go on more. We're going to talk more about this in depth because there are a lot of things that I need to get out to all of you that I haven't been able to really, I'm trying to put it together how to express it. So as I do that, as I gather my thoughts, I give you little bits and pieces every week. But I didn't want to continue this week because I did not want us to run out of time as I was speaking. So with that, I'm going to say, Everyone enjoy your Sunday. Everyone stay safe. COVID is still out there. Wear your mask, wash your hands, social distance. Even those of you who that have been vaccinated, wear your mask, wash your hands, social distance, because the vaccine does not stop you from getting COVID. It only prevents you from getting it as severely as you could have gotten it. So just protect yourself. Be kind to one another. Love one another. Help each other out. And until we meet again next week, God willing, peace.
trying to say, Yolanda, look, forget about all that other junk. This battle ain't yours. It's the Lord. Think about it. And then start shouting. Remember that? 